Awesome. So <clears throat> I just finished your book, The Accidental Gangster, and I'm aware that you have another book coming out in the near future. So I wanted to sort of give you a little bit of a platform to talk about that a bit. Right. Um, so I don't know, like in your own words, would you want to describe to our audience The Accidental Gangster and then tell a little bit about your new book coming out? Well, The Accidental Gangster is a title that I came up with while walking the yard in prison. Because mm-hmm. I've been an avid reader all my life. Never dreamed that I would ever write a book. Yeah. But, you know, I thought about it because I read over 300 books in prison. And I walked the yard, and I think if I did write a book, i call it The Accidental Gangster. And I actually did some formulation in my head. Of, oh. And it was when I got out that I met with my entertainment attorney at the Four Seasons Hotel. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, and I told him that different people in Hollywood are calling me for this and that. But I know Hollywood like the back of my hand, so I know most of the bullshitters. <laughs> oh, there's new ones every day. Right. And so he looked at me, he says, Ori, I know your story. Write a book, we'll get a movie made. Mm. He said, I never wrote a book. <laughs> he says, find a Find a co-writer. I couldn't find one. Uh-huh. All the writers I know out here are script writers. There's a big difference. Yeah, totally. So I just began it myself. I sat at the computer. When I got a little over a third of the way through, uh, I ran into Dennis Griffin through another friend of mine who I happened to go to school with, and he became the co-writer uh, on my first book. Nice. Was Sorry to interrupt. Was Dennis, he's also from Rome, correct? Dennis is also from Rome, New York. We went to school together. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, so we, we wrote the first book, got that published to uh, a company that was very bad. <laughs> uh, very bad publishing company, actually. And that's why I got tied up this morning. Because yeah. we got a guy in India that wants to do an interview with me. Okay. And I'm thinking, I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question. If my new book is on Amazon over there and translated into India, how do you think I would do? Mm -hmm. And he writes me back, your book is already being sold in India. Yeah. He he sent me the picture on Amazon. I go, what the fuck? (laughs) So I got all my new publisher and the lawyer and everything, and so we're digging into that, and I don't know, who knows, maybe they're selling it in other countries. Okay. But I, did, I did get my rights back from the old company, and nice. the new book is, uh, this is the cover, I'll show you the cover, okay? Nice. Uh, you will find a lot of the same stuff in the book, but it will sound more like me. Okay. And there's like uh, over 80 new pages to the book. Okay. So there's a lot, add- a lot more content. And then at the end of the book, something that I don't, I can't remember anybody ever doing is I wrote letters to some of my friends who are deceased and some people who are alive. Interesting. Uh, I wrote a letter to Sonny Franchese. I wrote one to Michael Franchese, who is alive. My yeah. friend Joey Pyle in London, who's deceased, and other people. Uh, but you're going to find those letters very interesting. 
Very cool. So have you added more content into the chapters that already exist or have you kind of added new chapters? I went, I went through every chapter. Okay. And added as eight or 80 pages uh, longer of the content of the book. Okay. So very cool. There, there's new stuff in there and it's uh, we can't call it a new book. That's why uh, we call it a, the new revised edition. And it's going to be available in hardcover. And you'll see that the book will be formatted properly like a real book. Okay. Because if you go through this book, you'll see that my pictures are at the end of the book. Yeah. You wouldn't even know it. Then how are you going to find my index? Right. Because they're advertising other authors. They should pay me to advertise other authors. (laughs) You go into my book will be available in bookstore. You go into a bookstore, the first thing I do, if I'm interested in a book, I look at it and I go see if there's an index. Right. If there's no index, I don't buy it. Okay. Because in my head, I say it's bullshit. You know what I mean? That totally makes sense. And uh, just my theory, and this a lot of a lot of people feel the same way. So uh, I got a great publishing company, and I ended up uh, I own half the publishing company now. We opened an oh, wow. office here in Los Angeles, yeah. and then uh, we opened an office in London too, uh, in the Mayfair district. So we had three offices. And I brought in 17 new authors so far in two oh, months' wow. time. In two months' time. Awesome. So we want 20 books a year from each company. That's awesome. Do you guys kind of have like a theme that you huh? like to follow? Or do you guys have kind of like a theme or a special type of book you like to publish more than others? Well, you know, actually, one of the books we're publishing, uh, we're, we're publishing books with Dennis Griffin. One is a cookbook. Um, uh, they're not all gangster books. They are in that area. There a few gangster books. Uh, did you guys ever watch the movie Find Me Guilty? Vin Diesel was in it. Um, I, that doesn't ring a bell. I don't think I, I've seen it. No. Well, if you want to see one of the best movies, and it's a true story about Jackie Denosio of the okay. Lucchese family out of New Jersey. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's the best performance Vin Diesel has ever done. Oh, wow. Really? I mean, he played Jackie Denosio to a T. It's on Amazon right now, or Netflix. Okay. You can watch it. And the guy who wrote the script, his name's T.J. Mancini. He's also the guy that produced the movie. Yeah. And they never wrote a book on it. So... Mm -hmm. We're taking the script, and with DJ, we're writing the book on that there. Um, and then Joey is writing another book on Ronnie and Reggie Cray out of London. We got a lot of good books coming, and there'll be various. Uh, you can go to our website, coastalwestpress.ca, and see some of the books that are coming out right now. Awesome. My book, obviously, is the first one, and that's coming in December. 
definitely awesome. I have yeah. it. Uh, I have that one pre-ordered, so I'm mm-hmm. excited to get a hold of it. And I just finished uh, the Accidental Gangster, so it'll be fun to have it um, fresh in my mind when I get that physical. Oh, copy so you ordered from me, so so you're in you're in this folder here, huh? What was that? You're in this folder. You ordered. Yeah, I did. I ordered the other night. Name should be in there. Oh. You did? Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. I ordered off the uh, Coastal West website. Oh, you okay? You ordered off of there. Okay. Yep. All right. So you've been there. All right. Good. Yep. So, did you have a hand in starting the company, or did you kind of come on as a partner? No, my partner Paul had the company in Canada. Okay. He and I were talking for <laughs> quite a long time. Paul's yeah. an author. He's written a few books, and. Uh, then as we got going, uh, we said, let's open up. Awesome. You know, man, Did, um... I've been blessed that I've been able to get a lot of authors and I got a lot of different books. Yeah, totally. Did you did you ever envision yourself um, having such a passion for that, or is it just it just kind of fell into place and you it picked up the ball? Fell into place. I'm the type of guy that when I get involved in something, yeah. actually, my old publishing company forced me because okay. they told me that my book was going to be available every place. Uh, Ingram is a distributor. Ingram was a distributor. But my other company, and it was a lot of authors get trapped into this thing with other companies. The other company is not a real publishing company. They don't print the books. They're a self-publishing company. They do everything through Amazon. I had to pay for my book, $3,600. Right. No, a lot of authors have to pay. That's and if you self-publish it, Amazon's the king of the, of the book business. Sure, mm-hmm. and that platform. So it went through that, and it was called the print on demand. Okay, which means when they sell a book, it's printed. Okay, and uh, and when you have that type of situation, you can't go to a bookstore and do a book signing. Yeah. Because the bookstore don't have the book. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to order it off of Amazon for sure. Yeah. We okay. are a real publishing company. We print the books. Yeah. We distribute the books. We'd like to sell off of our websites as much as possible, but we know that's not, you know, people like to go to Amazon. So it would be on Amazon because you get a lot of advertising with Amazon. Uh, And our model with our company is we support the authors. Nice. You won't see advertising in our books about Coastal West Publishing. Okay. You won't see it on our websites. We're promoting the authors and their books. And that's our goal. We support authors. Yeah, and that's that's the way it should be. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that books are putting other authors in there it doesn't really make sense if I bought this book, right? So I right. Mean, that's that's definitely something people should find valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and kind of going back to your to your book a little bit, I, I kind of have 
you know, a question. I mean, you obviously said you never pictured yourself writing a book, but you obviously did sit down and and write something about about your life story. I guess for those like myself um, and readers alike, what what is the goal that I guess you want readers to get out of your book? I mean, just a just something for, uh, you know, entertainment value, or or what do you want them to get out of your story? I guess, and well, why? What's your purpose in writing the book? You know. Like a lot of people, my background is a lot different than your average gangster who was born into the life out of Brooklyn, Bensonhurst, whatever, you know, their father was in it, they got into it, same old story. I come from upstate New York, and I'm a businessman first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I was successful in legitimate businesses. Mm Mm-hmm. But being Italian, having known a lot of people in my life, they always try to tie me into organized crime. I ended up losing my insurance license due to an informant. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, was, that, that was my first federal case in Syracuse, New York. Uh, so... You know, a lot of people do write me asking me about my businesses. But if I could do anything, if my book, as I say in my book, if I could help one young man from entering the life or going into a game, then I did my job. And I can honestly say I have helped several so far. And uh, I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's because, uh, you know, people think, okay, you're a gangster. Yeah, you know what? I made a lot of money. I made a lot of fast money. Yeah. But fast money, fast woman, fast cars, they go fast. Yeah. Once you're out of money, you don't have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the that. law is going to get you. I don't care who the hell you are. Eventually, they're going to get you. In yeah. 1997, a FBI agent, give his first name is Scott. Okay. He said, I will see the day you are chained, shackled, put on Con Air, and brought to Brooklyn. It was 1997. I remember that in the book. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. In 2008, he made it a reality. Yep. So... That was eleven years later. So was was he was he working on getting you to jail that entire time? Like yeah. was that his hit? That well, was his case? he tried to get me to become an informant. Oh, and yeah. what happened was I started taping the FBI. <laughs> I had twelve tapes on the FBI, and when they eventually found out that Scott Gariola, oh, I said his last name. He got I didn't the, hear anything. He, he got <laughs> demoted. He got demoted off the uh, organized crime task force, put on the fugitive force. Yeah, and he's the guy that's responsible and given the credit of taking down Whitey Bulger. Mm. Okay, so I think so he owes me a favor, huh? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and I mean, in your situation, when when the FBI is closing in, is I mean, obviously, we've seen in the movies and the books of just being an informant is just a rough road, just with 
you know, your safety. I mean, if if, if you get caught I'm both side, give, giving information to the FBI, I mean, that's like the end of you, right? Yeah, well, I never did, so yeah. I never had to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really cool uh, story for you to share and especially understanding your motive of sort of in hindsight, you reflect on all of the this fast money and this fast lifestyle. And at the end you kind of reflect and you want to share the lesson that it wasn't worth it or like it wasn't real. Have you ever had, like, did you, did it take you all the way to get to prison to have that realization or were there times throughout your, uh, your life partaking in this where you might've been questioning it or like, I don't know. Well, getting kind of you know in, in my case, when they took away my insurance license in 1979, yeah, basically took away the way that I was able to make a legitimate income. Okay. And uh, if that never transpired, uh, with what I had going on, I, there's no question I'd be a billionaire today. Oh, wow. No question okay. about it. Uh, but that came because of a jealous employee of mine. You got to remember, in the 70s, he was making 100000 a year with me. I got him a brand-new Lincoln every year, and I paid all the expenses. Yeah. All right? If he did not try to do what he did with the insurance company to, to remove me, he'd be a multi-multi-millionaire today. Because I was on the verge of bringing my company, the Ori Agency, on a national basis. Okay. And that being said, we would have been the masters. We would have been the company for every automobile dealer in the country to go to for training, for after-sale products for financing credit, life and accident, health insurance, and warranties, and everything else. Uh, if you ever go up to upstate New York, there's a company called Centurion Automotive. Okay. Uh, they're ba- based out of uh, now Syracuse, New York. And if you speak to the owner of that business, he will tell you, Ori Spadel, was the pioneer of this business. Interesting. So, uh, and I formed that company, Centurion Automotive. Right. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so throughout your book, um, like you mentioned your you losing your license and kind of, kind of like your ability to uh, partake in the, it, it was your trade, right? So, Throughout your story, there's a lot of uh, perseverance and grit on your part where you've had a lot of uh, successes, um, businesses and relationships. And then yeah, you, um, with you, that, you, you got to knock on doors. Uh-huh. Uh, you got to knock on doors and knock on doors. I have yeah. a saying, the more doors, the more no's I get, the closer I am to a yes. Mm-hmm. And that's. In any type of sales you do. Yeah. Well, especially back then, too, because now you have the internet and it's it's easier to, you know, come in contact with people. But back then, you just have to go out. More and, of a personal connection. Yeah, you have to you go out and get, 
get connections by just you know what if i was 21 years old today and started yeah. my life out yeah with the knowledge that i have today mm -hmm. and the knowledge which is limited that i have to the computer and how to use it and social media and so forth yeah you know how what what i would do I would go out on the street and start knocking on doors. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. I would be going into the department stores, talking to the sales clerks. I'd yeah. be talking to people. You know why? In today's world, people don't get to talk to nobody no more. Disconnected. You yeah. walk around the street, everybody's like this. I'm out walking here in Beverly Hills early in the morning. People don't yeah. even know I'm there. They're looking at their phones. You go into a restaurant. A guy's got a date. He takes his girl out. You look at, go wrong. I mean, go. It's happening here. I'm sure it's happening everywhere. You got a guy and yeah. a girl. They're looking at their telephones. They're not talking right. to each other. Absolutely. Everyone is, uh, they're addicted to their technology and they're detached from reality. Yeah. And it's going to be the ruination of our society. Yeah, I guess I want to ask, do you think you, if you did start out, you know, in, in 2020 versus when you, you started out in the in the 60s, do you think you would have been as successful as, as, as you were, I mean, in to where you are now? Um, well, I'd be more successful. Today, more successful. Because I'm a workaholic. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm not a guy. I don't believe in the eight hours a day, 40 hours a week bullshit. All okay? right. Yeah. All right? I don't believe... I believe in working on a commission basis, not a salary. I would not take a salary. Mm -hmm. right? Let me make money on my own. And, and that's what yourself. sales do for you. Right. Yep. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Um, <clears throat> in, the, in your story, obviously, um, at points where like, uh, you have a lot of relationships that kind of come and go, whether it's like professional business or romantic. Um, you also, you have these businesses, like you've got this fast money and this success coming in and then uh, kind of like drops and then you kind of reestablish yourself. There's a lot of grit and perseverance. Um, what advice or like, what was your personal experience? Like how, when you hit a low, how did you uh, convince yourself to keep going and like keep scratching and clawing and sort of coming back and uh, getting back to that same spot like over again. Well, I believe in the power of positive thinking. Okay. Okay. What the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. Yeah. Okay. Quitters never win. Winners never quit. Yeah. Uh, I believe in that there. And you just got to keep it going. I mean, you know, this morning I, I, I slept a little later than I normally do. I was yeah. upset with it. Obviously, my body told me I needed to rest. Sure. But I slept until 7. That's three hours more than I normally sleep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was a little upset with myself. And it's Sunday. I couldn't be upset. Right. But I am because I work seven days a week. Work don't bother me because I enjoy what I do. You got to enjoy what you're doing, too. Yeah. You know, you could be filling gas for cars at a gas station. All right. If you don't enjoy that. You ain't going to be doing it. 
I don't care Absolutely. what you do. To be successful, you got to enjoy and be happy with what you're doing. I have a goal out there. You got to keep remaking your goals. Mm-hmm. You make one goal. What's your next goal? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we live in a lazy society. We live <laughs> yeah, in an uneducated society. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's putting it politely. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, a guy just did my mask, came in from Orlando, Florida, and he yeah. did my face mask. But he sent me this face mask here. It was taken when that's Frank Sinatra. Okay. That was taken from a mask that he did when he filmed From Here to Eternity. Okay. Ask people today, who is Frank Sinatra? They don't oh know. Gosh. Yikes. All right. Might as well show you. You'd be the first to see it. Okay. Exciting. It's not completely done. He's going to do some changes to it, but that's the face mask of me that he did yesterday. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so cool. That's cool looking. So, it's going in some museum in Las Vegas, he's going out. No, anyways, and so, you know, you got to work. You got to study. And, uh. Hey, can you get rid of that quick? Sorry. Sorry, we had a little pop up. It was upgraded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and too, the, the, the problem is at least so many people our age and the younger generation, they want everything given to them. Mm-hmm. And instead of working at their goals, they want to blame other people for the reason that they can't, you know? It's what like the only, the only, what is it? It's in the Wolf of Wall Street. They say, like, the only thing stopping you from achieving your goals is the bullshit excuse you keep telling yourself. That's, like, that's what I'm, I'm a believer in that. There's mm-hmm. should really no, nothing should be in your way if you're driven enough. Everyone is convinced that they're a victim and yeah. uh, social media and um, going back to the uh, technology and everyone detached from reality. So sh- social media, when people are so engulfed into it, what it does is they don't understand how reality actually is. And you're seeing, uh, I think there's a there's a phrase to describe it where it's like you're seeing the world through a filter. So it's like... You're seeing like this fake perception of what reality actually is. And when you're actually going out in the world and you're experiencing failures and vulnerabilities, but learning how to think, how to make, how to correct things, how to problem solve. Holy shit. Like that's like people don't do that. And then we're taught and we have all of this stuff around us all of the time telling everyone that they're a victim. And it's like, no, man, you're just being fucking lazy. Like. Get off your ass, and even if you fail, at least you're fighting for something. You know, yeah. I blame the parents. Absolutely. Yeah. All right? Things have changed. Somebody asked me the other day, why do you blame the parents? Well, I live in Hollywood. Yeah. You see a famous actress, actor, mm-hmm. or anybody with money out here, mm-hmm. and can't wait to give birth to a child. Yeah. Then when they give birth, they hire a nanny. Right. Now, I don't mean to put nannies out of business by no means. Yeah, sure, sure. But I and my wife, we never would have had a nanny, and I could have afforded it back in those days. Mm-hmm. We brought up our children. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Thank God my, my wife was a school teacher. My children are all educated. They all doing well. Uh, no druggies, unless you call marijuana a druggie. Yeah. <laughs> Not really anymore, I don't know. Huh. But, but uh, otherwise, you know, it's a child learns what they're going to learn, the basic right. things, by the time they're four years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my neighbor over here, Jim, used to do over $200 million a year in advertising dollars in New York. Jeez. Advertising back, I don't know if it's still the same way. Right. You see ads on TV. They're based upon a child with a fourth grade education. Four years old. That's how they used to be. Could have yeah. changed since then. Maybe they're up to six years old. <laughs> no, right. But, you know, that's what they based their commercials on to get you to go out to buy their product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the go off of that, though, like the, you know, social media influence and you're in, you're in Hollywood and, you know, there's there's all these celebrities and Hollywood elite, you could say, you know, telling you how to think and, you know, who to vote for. Like they know middle America and they know how everybody lives. And, and, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating to see and people buy into it, the younger generation, and they don't know the value of a dollar. And it's, 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 it's struggling to see. And it's, and it's like what you're saying with parents hiring nannies and there's, there's not that, that strong parenting and, and I know you would say to a lot of people that are, you know, are struggling, you know, in America to think they've seen a lot or they feel like a victim and, and you, you yourself, I know being part of the, being part of the mob and growing up, I mean, I'm sure like you could tell them like, Oh, you think you've seen a lot? Like, like, I mean, like read my book, you know? I right. mean, so it's just, it's interesting to, you know, see where America has gone to. So, and especially with, you know, your life experiences and compared to what they think is traumatic or, or crazy. It's it's really frustrating and disheartening because like I don't know that's like there's so many I don't know if you feel the same way but there's so many times where like I feel like I I live in the wrong period or something like I just don't I don't uh, well look at I used to say you know I wish I was born you know I wish I wish I was eighteen twenty years old in the thirties or forties you know what I mean mm-hmm. but I wasn't yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so, for you know, sure. We do, you know, what we need to do at this time, any period of time of your life. Yeah. But, you know, uh, if you wake up in the morning with a positive attitude, you go to bed with a positive attitude, you're going to be fine. And okay. as long as you keep going. Yeah. You know, another saying I have is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Mm-hmm. Which means, you know, there's no luck. You make right. your luck. Mm-hmm. Young, exactly. young children are not taught that today. They're given too much. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, you know, kind of like even, you know, like you see now at kids' soccer games, they're giving medals to everyone, even the kids who lost. And I think I think parents need to teach their kids the importance of failure. You know, right. you, you need to be, ex- you need to screw up in life. That's how you learn your best lessons. You Look, we're not, and we don't win at every single thing we do. No. Every sports no. team does not win every game. 
No. Mm-hmm. All right, you got to accept your losses. I accepted what life has given me. I yeah. accepted the fact that I had to go to prison. I accepted the fact that I did wrong. I take, I only blame myself. I don't blame nobody else. Yeah. You know, people say, well, you think it was your affiliation with Sonny Franchise? Well, lucky you could say it because Sonny and I were friends, but I didn't have to be his friend. I chose to mm-hmm. be his friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we make choices. We make good choices, bad choices. To this day, sometimes, at my age, I still make some bad choices. Sometimes mm-hmm. I trust the wrong people. I try to trust people. I give them yeah. the benefit of the doubt until they do me wrong. Yeah, yeah, and, and like you're, and you know, you, you you mentioned like you 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 know everybody makes mistakes, and obviously like you went you went to prison, um, and you were. I mean, you were eventually caught, correct? Like from from what I've seen, like you were eventually caught, and obviously went went to prison for, um, you know, what you were involved with. That that that's correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, was there ever was there ever a time when, like, I don't know, like you knew like you were doing wrong and you wanted to get out of it, but it was no, like but, it was too late or too far well, in, or you just I, kept going. I I enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. I was good at what I was doing. Right. I enjoyed it. I knew the day was going to come that it had to end. I knew how it was going to end. And that's exactly how it ended. Right. I got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. I expected at that time, at that day. No. Did I expect it would be a Colombo crime family? No, I expected actually to be already spayed or arrested in Los Angeles and brought the court in Los Angeles. I didn't think I'd be fighting my case in Brooklyn, New York, because I've been out here over 40 years now. (laughs) So my peers are out here. And while I was fighting my case in Brooklyn, New York, and in Metropolitan, MDC, Brooklyn, I mean, it was me who had to go into the law library and study. I didn't rely on my lawyer. I had a nickname. Yeah. I was the renegade client. <laughs> That's what my lawyers called me. The rene- I submitted yeah. my own motion. You're going to see them there in, the, in, in, in my book. Okay. I submitted my own motion, knowing the judge would turn them down. Yeah. But I knew the fact that my judge read everything that went in front of him. Mm-hmm. So I had to give that judge a little more knowledge than he was getting from the U.S. attorney about Ori Spado. Yeah. And the way you can only do that in court is through motions. Okay. I did it. I was successful at it. Nice. Yeah. Well, Ori, this is... A, a question that you know, I think a lot of people probably ask you, and it was definitely the the number one thing I wanted to know. You know, after hearing I was going to meet you, looking at all the all the movies out there in Hollywood, like what's what's the most accurate that they portray in those movies, and then what's the most false about the mob life? Because they they definitely paint a picture consistently between every film, 
but I, I'm just dying to know what, you know, what, what's real and what's not about how they paint that picture. Well, let's take what role, you know, let me answer it in a different way. There's a lot of people who ask me, what was the downfall of organized crime in the Italian world? Mm-hmm. The Godfather, the movie The Godfather. Was it real? That was made. Mario Puzo did that there, and Francis Ford and Mario Puzo wrote it. It was a collaboration of several different crime families back in the day. Okay. Were there some true things in there? Yes, there were some true things, such as the part of you should not be dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things were different in the old days within that world. Because the bosses allowed their soldiers and other people to earn money. But then they became too greedy. Uh, and that's what got a lot of them into drugs. And the drugs had very lengthy prison sentences. They still do. They should be changed. All right? Uh, did Trump change? He didn't change that part of it. He did a little bit. Will Biden change it? I doubt it. Because he's the one who wrote the worst crime bill in history. Yeah. But... Uh, and then his vice president is the prosecutor. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Casino, yeah. the movie Casino, is very real and how it happened. I happen to be very close friends with Nick Pelagi, who wrote Casino in Tower. Nice. And he just told me, he said, without Frank Collada, it never would have happened. Frank Collada was the first one on board to be a consultant for that movie casino. Uh, Rosenthal, who lived in Florida, refused. But when the movie started getting made and they were going to have De Niro play Rosenthal, Rosenthal heard about it, called Nick Pelletti, and he said, is it true that you got Robert De Niro is going to play me? And he said, yeah, he said, I'm in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. yeah, I, don't think, I don't think you can turn down that. For but there is a party at the swimming pool in the casino when a guy gets shot. Yeah. When they were filming that there, Scorsese, dinner, everybody around it. It was a great scene. They had the, the guy got shot, went in the pool. They had the pool fill up with blood. Nice yep. scene. Mm-hmm. And Nick looks up and he sees Frank Galata going like this. We watched all the Frank. He said, Frank, what's wrong? Frank said, that whole thing was wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what makes you think it was wrong? He said, that's not how the guy was killed. Well, Frank, how do you know that? He said, because I'm the guy who killed him. <laughs> oh. He agreed to it. it. All right. And Frank got to kill the guy twice. <laughs> Gosh. Real cool. life and in fiction. I, I don't even know as a director what you'd respond when he says that. I'd be like, huh? uh, 
All right. Let's... I don't. Yeah, I don't know as as the director. Yeah. Or you know so, how you how you even reply to that. I would you know, reply. you mentioned oh, yeah. Mid America uh, earlier. You yeah. got to remember when a film is made here in Hollywood, yeah. it's not made to appeal to the people who live here. Yeah. Right. All yeah. right. It's made to appeal to the people in Mid America. That's the first okay. thing well, that people say. The masses. Well, those people accept. It. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So when a, a screenwriter gets a project <laughs> from a book, is my book going to be, is my screenplay going to be like my book? I sure doubt it. You know, yeah. there'll be parts in there you'll recognize, but they're going to glamour some of the things. You follow me? Yeah, which I mean, yeah, you, you got to do that. It's a, you know, it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a movie meant to entertain. Right. So there's, you, there's some things you got to fluff up. So you you got to yeah. add things in there. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, majority. This is where a lot of the growing up, like ninety nine percent of us, never were or will never be a part of the mafia or the mob. So where do we get? It? It's like a lot of different topics and areas. We get it through media. Mm-hmm. So and if in order, you know, so a lot of people have to, you know, that's where they get their perceptions. And for them to ultimately go and watch the movie and tell others about it, you gotta beef things up, make it, make it more, you know, I guess attractive to everybody. Right. And there's some things they they can't put in there how it truly went because it's quote-unquote maybe boring or or not you know not a money maker or whatever so you, you you gotta imagine that hollywood you know does beef things up and and you know move things around to make it watchable i guess make it more of a story that people can connect with everything's about dollars right yep well and and two going going back to the the hollywood stuff um I think I heard in another podcast that you did you know the guy that Pesci played in The Irishman? Russell Yeah, Buffalino. Russell Buffalino. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Hey. Yeah, yeah, and going off, uh, did you watch the the Irishman? Growing up or, or the, the 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 recent movie. Oh, that, that I watched, yes I did. Okay. How did they I guess going off of this this question I mean, how did, and and you knew him pretty well didn't you i thought i saw on that on a podcast i mean how did they how did they portray his character were they i mean based on how your experience of of knowing him i mean did they did they did the writers of that movie do a good job portraying his character or plus he did a great job of portraying russell Uh, russell was a quiet guy you know you know you don't hear about russell like you do about uh john Gotti and uh, Sonny Franchise, you know, right. he was a very, very powerful individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, very powerful he was, Russell. Mm-hmm. And he was smart. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to find any crime boss that's stupid. You will not find that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, another thing that um, kind of talking in Hollywood, another question that, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's more of a conspiracy side of things, but, you know, there's been, you know, conspiracy of, you know, obviously there's conspiracy of the CIA and working with the mafia in general and the CIA actually, you know, infiltrating Hollywood and, you know, putting out movies that are propaganda. Like, I know they, they said the CIA was behind, like, stuff like Zero Dark Thirty and some of these wartime sure. movies and, and stuff like that. And I know that there's the conspiracies of, CIA being with the mafia, like there was, I mean, what I have it written down, like, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the uh, Johnny Roselli 
Uh, yeah. He was he was the mobster. Allegedly, the CIA wanted to be in a part of operation to kill Fidel Castro. Right. I think there there was that operation. I guess. What are your thoughts on that, or what what did you see in your time? I mean, did you ever witness or, or see anything with the CIA being involved with the mafia or working together? I mean, what what are I guess what are your thoughts on that? There's huge conspiracies around it and everything. I guess what have you seen? What are your thoughts on that? Got to remember something. Sometimes in life, like the three of you, Ben needs you guys for something. You guys need Ben for something. Yeah. Same thing. Comes time that the FBI needs us for something. The CIA needs us for something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Johnny Roselli was a very influential person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, yes, that's correct. It was not just Johnny Roselli. Carlo Marcello. Santo Tripacante, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, who killed Kennedy? Do you yeah, think yeah. what you're hearing now is the truth? No. Yeah, absolutely okay. not. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> what you don't know, who was on that grassy knoll that day? Yep. Johnny Roselli was there, along with Jimmy Fratiano. Oh, wow. Okay. Was Lee Harvey, is he Lee Harvey? Uh, I'll throw these out to you. I don't have the yeah. answer. Right. Is Lee Harvey Oswald really dead? Was he actually a CIA operative? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Could he really done that shot from where he was? Mm-hmm. And how precise it was and, or, you know, allegedly it's, it's crazy. Uh, stuff around that i've i've been there and i've uh taken pictures from all the angles and i've uh edited them and i've circled it and uh yeah it's uh definitely interesting Mm -hmm. you've been there you did it do you think he could have done it um from what i remember is he would have had to have been a very skilled shooter from where he was yeah it, well, I would have to see the picture again, but um, something didn't quite add up when I was there. Well, see, like I wasn't there, but yeah. I've seen the pictures and I've seen the angles, and like he would have had to have been a hell of a precise shot. And that guy was, I don't know, kind of made out to be a cuckoo. I don't know if he could have done it. Like it's just that's what the media is pushing out. But I mean that that was like almost like it was a professional. Like it was set yeah. up. It was. There's no way this guy was just crazy and went up there and had this hell of, you know, this shot and just was perfect and precise. It's, 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 ins- it's a incredibly like, I mean, it's horrific, but it's incredibly intriguing to. I should, as you stuff. know, the CIA is not allowed to be involved in domestic issues. Right. Isn't that one of the things they're supposed yeah. to be in other countries? All right. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, just an idea. I'll throw it on to you. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. it be a good idea if the CIA came to you, young man, smart, yeah. trained you, got yeah. you to become an FBI agent, and now you're CIA's in the FBI? 
Yep. Uh, be, uh, be opportunity, huh. definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of things, a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, I just gave you some information today, gentlemen, without giving you information. Yep. Yeah, we'll you take it to heart. It yeah, yeah, I know it. I love it. Like the fall of the money, like that, you know, the Nixon Watergate. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Follow, who, follow who the paper trail. Jimmy Roselli? Who put him in a barrel in Florida? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's 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 just well, yeah, it's just it's it's all about questions. It's all like and it's hearsay and there's nothing definitive yeah. and it's just it's crazy and when you hear all that stuff happening and the Kennedy thing and it's just all it, it's Jimmy so Hoffa, constructed. Do you really think? That Jimmy's Hoffa body is buried someplace? You honestly think that there? They're out looking all over the world for Jimmy Hoffa's body? Yeah. Come on, that body was put to a crematorium or, or whichever. That body yeah. is nowhere. It's gone. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. No. You think they're going to put it in the trunk of a car, drive it to New Jersey, and like they... I heard one thing that, you know, he's part of the stadium over there. You think that they're going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to put a body in a trunk and drive it through a few states? Yeah. Disposing yeah. of a body is one of the easiest things you can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's insane. Well, and, and speaking of Jimmy, um, I know on uh i don't know if you've seen play i think it's called betting against the mob or it's it's an espn 30 for 30 that covers the boston college point shaving scandal did, did you did you ever know anyone involved in any of those any of those sports betting sports gambling scandals because that was kind of a cool moment i think for i guess just the whole you know publicization yeah, I know of, the, of the mob yeah yeah because I mean, then they, they showed clips from Goodfella in that in that right back. Money, you can do anything with money. Yeah, but there's some things you can't do. A friend of mine called me up because of something that on Instagram. Yeah, I posted a thing about Stalin. Okay. All right, where Stalin says it's not the people who vote that I worry about. It's the people who count the vote. No. Right. Okay. I thought that made sense. I posted that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine calls me. He says, Ori, you're a gangster. You're a con man. Let me ask you a question. Do you know for a fact that Stalin actually said that? No, I don't. Yeah. Okay. It's just something I took that somebody else sent me. And right. I posted it without thinking about it. So my right. friend said, Roy, let me ask you a question. You're a gangster and you're a good con man. Let's suppose that you had unlimited money. Unlimited. I'm talking 50, 100 million dollars. Mm -hmm. A lot of money. Which is a, a spit in the bucket compared to what either party pay for their uh, uh, presidency, all right? Sure. Okay. How would you fix the election? 
And I thought about that then. How could I fix the county? Do you think I could? Let's say Democratic National Party gave me $100 million. Yeah. Now I'm able to come to you in Philadelphia, who's in charge of 100 people counting votes. Yeah. All right? And I say, Ben, there's a million in cash. I want the votes to go for Biden. Yeah. Okay, now you got that million dollars. Now you've got those hundred people. It could be Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, be any major city in the country. Okay. Now you gotta get those people to count the votes the way that you want to. Okay? Yep. Money talks. Do you think that's not gonna raise and tennis in the people's mind. If you say, "Look, I don't want you to take Biden vote for America, Trump vote for America." Yeah, it's impossible. I don't care how much money you got; you cannot fix the vote like that. Well, and something's going to leak at some point. Huh? There's so there's so many people involved; it's going to leak. That it's going to leak. You're going to get caught. Too many people involved. Too many people. So yeah. it's all bullshit. More conspiracy yeah. theories. Okay. Yeah. No, it's up to you. Who you want? That's your choice. You follow me? But you know, yeah. let's face it. There's an election, and Biden's the winner. And uh, now, right. you know, I hear people on TV saying, "Oh, why is the news team saying pronouncing him the winner?" Well, we've been doing that forever. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing it. It was the new scene to pronounce Trump the president when he won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did Trump lose? Who do you blame? Who do you blame? Yeah, and a lot of them, well, and a lot of, you know, it's, it's kind of like. Blame? I want to ask that question. Who do you blame for Trump losing? I, I would say Trump. Yeah, himself. You're right. Himself. Yeah. himself. He lost because of the COVID. Yep. They couldn't beat him on the economy. No. All he had to do, all he had to do was wear a mask, come out, talk to the American people, and tell everybody, wear a mask, keep your distance. Yeah. And he'd be the president again. Because you couldn't beat him on the economy. No. Well, he'd I always said if... if, if- I always said, if, yeah, if COVID never happened, I think he would have been reelected yeah. probably pretty easily. Yeah. But I think, especially with the media and, and everything, they, they and COVID is obviously a real disease, whether you think it's as lethal or not, depends, I guess, on what side you're on. But it's a real thing, and, and the Democrats use that against him, use that in the media as, as a prop, I guess you could say a propagated way to say why he's not doing a good job and and it 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 worked ultimately yeah. end and he didn't handle it well all you had to do is the fact of the matter is we kind of wake up and uh the reality is what it is so it's kind of like well what do we do about it and i don't know i think i wish more people felt this way because like there's way too many uh dipshits with a platform and they're they on either side everyone uh needs to calm down a bit because the president 
if you're living vicariously through a politician or like a governor or a president and you're going to be like, well, they've won. So now I can, I can be, be happy and, and be like, happy. yeah, and I can ever, I'm going to be successful now. It's like, no, that's not up to a suit in Washington. Like that's up to, that's you. Up to you and like more people yep. need to have that mentality. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Why, it's exhausting. Why yeah. in our country do they come out and say our president is the most powerful man in the world? Yeah, right. Why is that? Because they have too much power, if you could say debatably. Because he's not the most powerful man in yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. If you ask me who's the most powerful man in the world, I say it's... Vladimir Putin. Yeah. yeah. And he's got more exactly. money than anybody else in the world. Right. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And do you think that the guy that's sitting in the White House is really the power? No. No. Nope, it's the nope. money that's behind that guy. Absolutely. That's the power. He's Yep. The president's just kind of a face, you know. It's it's all the it's all the there's such a system yeah. behind him that makes all the ultimate decisions. But the thing is, folks, you know, Biden's been elected. I believe he's gonna win by wider margins now. As the book continues, and uh, and I just always go back. Let's have respect for the office, and everybody live in peace here. Absolutely, we individuals got to wake up tomorrow morning. We got to do what we got to do. We got to put our clothes on. They're not putting our clothes on. They're not paying our rent. They're not paying for your house, your food. We need to do that there. Yep. yep. Okay, so let's take responsibility. If everybody in this country takes responsibility for themselves and loves everybody else, this be a good world. Yeah. Well, and it, it yeah. just comes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, people people don't want to do the work, but they want to blame everyone for them not achieving their dreams. And it's like, those are the same people who get so hung up on social media and, uh, you know, pol- about politics are the same people who, instead of putting in the time to work and, and to make their dreams a reality, they spend it complaining about the people who are holding right. them back supposedly. So it's all just bullshit. Yeah. And I'll say too, is that the, the, the gear saying we talked, you know, they sit and they'll blame other people for their issues. They'll blame, you know, in, uh, income inequality, you know, racial inequality, whatever, which, which it, you know, you can, you can debate on whether that, how far that it, that it, you know, that exists, but people don't understand like what we were talking about, that there's effort inequality in this country. Our forefathers did not design this country for a middle-class American. Our economy was set up for the rich and the poor. Right. And then all of a sudden we became, I, I remember seeing the change when we became middle class. Right. Mm-hmm. Women started going to work, this and that. All right. One car families became two car families. And today you drive past mid-America, you don't see two cars in the driveway. You got two children, you see four cars in the driveway. Yeah. So, yeah. We just got to do what we got to do and keep going, folks. Any other yeah. questions that I could help you with? Um, honestly, like you covered a lot of really good information here. Um, yeah. Is there anything else like you'd like to talk about, or I'd like to talk about, here? and I'd like to get everybody. Uh, please go out. You can pre-order my book now by going to www. 
theaccidentalgangster.com. I have uh, only about 50 left. I'm given 100 books, free autographs. It's awesome. a hard copy book. So about the next 50 people will get a free autograph copy. So if you go on to my website, mm. all you need to do is buy the book. Don't pay the extra right now. I'll let you know if you exceed that uh, 50 people. Because uh, I already got 50 orders here to fill. Or you can go to coastalwest.ca uh, and buy it from there. You're in another country. All right, very cool. country. Awesome. We awesome. got two places you can pre-order your book. It'll be mailed out to you immediately. Autographed. It's a ban. I can't go to Canada and autograph your book. So <laughs> you'll have to bring it out next time you come. <laughs> Uh, read this guy's book, folks. Read this guy's book. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely gonna take a read. And I'm not a big reader, and I'm just like definitely gonna take a read. Like it's so, so I'm having a conversation this week. Uh, uh, a lot of folks ask me because I'm in Hollywood. What's happening with my movie or TV? Oh right. All uh, right. The answer is, folks. It is in the works. I have a major writer, director who wants to write it. He's been extremely busy. We're going to have a conference call tomorrow or Tuesday, and he'll begin writing it. But he's a major writer, director. And I could tell you that Nick Pelleggi will be an executive producer, Ron. Awesome. So we have Hell a yeah. good team uh, in Hollywood. There's no overnight films we have made. Uh, yeah. And everything begins. Everything begins with the writing. You don't see a TV show, anything on TV or in the films. All right, without a writer having wrote it. And you know, our writers don't get that much credit. Mm -hmm. I watched the show one time, and they had De Niro and Pesci on there talking about what they said. And the movies they were in. Never once did they say, hey, hey, Nick wrote it or this guy wrote it. All right. They got those words from the guy who wrote the script. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the people that should be giving credit for these films. But yet, people in the very rarely do. So, you know, and when you takes it takes hundreds of people. It's a creative process, and it's lengthy. It don't happen overnight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So be patient, folks. The X and O gangster will be out there on the screen. I'm excited. That's awesome. Well, I will that keep was, my eye on that. That was actually one of my one of my questions going in when I knew it was going to be interviewing. Like, are you going to be in a feature film? Have you been approached? Like, this just sounds super interesting. Well, here we well, go. Look, this I'm not going to tell the guy's name, but he's got a film coming out this month. With Robert De Niro, Tommy Lee Jones, Morgan Freeman, you know, big other, and he's done other films in the past. Okay. So now you can go and figure out and do your research and you know who he is. Oh, I will be on Google very sure. shortly here. Yes, very shortly. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Gentlemen, all right, well, I wish you all, you have a great day. I thank you for giving me this opportunity. 
to talk to I you think- gentlemen and your, your friends out there. And once again, folks, let's help each other. You can help me by going out, go to my website, buy a book. Mm-hmm. And anybody that has any personal questions they want to ask me or they need guidance or help, they can write to me at the accidentalgangster at gmail.com. You will be answered. Thank you, folks. Awesome. God bless. Take care, Ori. Take care, John. Nice meeting you, Ori. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.